Welcome to the WCAPS Vibe podcast series. WCAPS is an online community dedicated to strengthening the leadership and professional development of women of color, specializing in the fields of peace, security, conflict transformation, and foreign policy. Join us as we unpack their valuable perspectives, learn from their strategies, and grow together. Vibe. Vision. Impact. Voice. Engagement. All right. So thank you, everybody, for joining us today uh, for today's kind of deep dive into male mentorship with Mr. Travis Atkins. So I'll let you introduce yourself first. Thank you guys so much for having me. My name is Travis Atkins. I'm currently a lecturer of African and Security Studies at the Wall School of Foreign Service at Georgetown. My broader background, two-decade career in Africa, uh, the Middle East largely in democracy and governance, but also humanitarian affairs and assistance, uh, as well as long-term development schemes and education. Very cool. And I am the moderator for this conversation. My name is Gabrielle Gay. I work in international development at Catholic Relief Services with a focus on impact investing and private sector engagement. And I'm also heavily involved in WCAPS with the mentorship program, the pipeline fellowship program and a couple of working groups, the Youth Ambassadors Program and then the International Development Working Group, which is just getting on its uh, two feet. So very exciting. So let's just jump right into the conversation. I wanted to kind of follow up on some, some that you had mentioned in our broader conversation that we had back in May about male mentorship. Um, mm-hmm. And wanted to just ask you right off the bat, how does one prepare for mentorship? So what should I bring to the, da- to the table or what should I know about myself? Yeah. I, well, I think from the perspective of the person who's going to be the mentor is just to realize that no matter where you are in your life or your career, that you are ahead of folks who are younger than you, who are maybe a generation behind you. and so that. In, in some way, you're never too early in your career. You're never too young to actually serve as a mentor uh, as well as a mentee. And I think that's really largely about your willingness to be supportive of people who want to travel the road that you have traveled, uh, your willingness to be a way maker for them, your concern that folks who are coming after you can avoid maybe some of the pitfalls that you fell into and that you might also be able to provide some type of guidance to make the way easier for them, especially in the realm of gender equity, especially in the realm of diversity, whether it, when it comes to race and ethnicity. Are you a person who's in the room, who is a voice, and who is not kind of taken with your identity as the only or the one or one of the few, but that you are someone who's interested in, in filling spaces and taking up space uh, with people who come from uh, maybe underestimate, excuse me, underrepresented backgrounds, which also end up being underestimated at, at, at times, but I meant to say underrepresented. Thank you. Yeah. And I wonder, where do you, where do you go to find these, these good mentor matches and, and build some of these relationships? Do you think... Yeah you know, cultivating it organically is the best way or, you know, finding a program to match you up or what, what do you think is 
the best way to go about, you know, finding something like well, that? To, to, be, to be quite frank, I've, I think that you take every opportunity that you can to do it. And so I do not kind of derive more formalized programs that try to match folks. But what I found, at least in my experience, is that organic matches are the best because they are things that are naturally occurring. You're not asking someone to be something to you that may not naturally occur to them. They may not have interests that align with yours simply because they're a prominent person in your field or in the field that you want to be in doesn't mean that they'd be the most helpful person. And I think we probably all know horror stories of people who are either too busy or too disinterested uh, or couldn't be bothered helping folks in a generation behind them or even colleagues who are looking for that kind of, of support. And so what I try to emphasize is that we not take kind of mentorship and relationship building as if it is a, uh, a process that you can follow along and kind of paint by numbers to, to create. Because most of my mentorships are, are really friendships and they're not rooted in transaction. It's not rooted in what they can do for me or what I can do for them. It's really rooted in the fact that we have the same interest, that we want to go in some of the same directions and that we want to see some of the same kinds of changes in the world. And, and so to, to kind of close out the answer, I would say that for me, being in places where those people are, not because they're there, but, be, but because I want to be there is the way that I found to be the most, the most useful. And bear with me a little bit because now I'm about to go down a rabbit hole. But Please. the last conversation, the conversation that we had previously focused specifically on male mentorship yes. and being being a mentor for, you know, women. And yes. in this specific context, we were talking about women of color, where oftentimes, you know, in, in the career, uh, in peace and security careers and in development as well, there tends to be a shortage of women of color, specifically in leadership roles. So it's hard if you're looking for a mentor that looks like you right? Not, we can talk about whether that's the best route to go as well in a little bit, but do you think that forms naturally? So you're, you're saying it's better to, you know, have a relationship develop naturally and that becomes a mentorship, you know, further down the line. Do you think that naturally happens between men and women? Yeah, I'll leave it at that. Yeah. Well, I do think that there are uh, some challenges there. And I think to your point, this is really the value of some kind of employer-driven uh, mentorship programs or mentorship programs such as the one that we have within WCAPS where there are structures and parameters where there's the ability to have accountability, both the mentor and the mentee. I think you know part of the challenge with those is the metrics by which we use to match people, right? Is it just that I'm a male and someone else is a female? Is it just that I'm a person of color in this industry and maybe they're not, but they're in another part of a sector that I might be interested in? And so in some ways you have hits and misses with that, just like you would in, in a, a dating app or any other type of matching system that's out there. And so 
I, that's why I want to emphasize that I think going about both, like I would never throw away formalized programs, but I think that I, I've seen people become discouraged by formalized programs sometimes because maybe it feels more forced or the person is just there because they said they would do it, but they don't really necessarily have a, a, a organic interest in the person that they're matched with. And sometimes it's actually not a good match, even if on paper, it seems like it, it would be. Indeed. And, you know, that's a great point because I often tell folks, you know, who come back to me, you know, after being matched in the WCAPS program, for example, and I tell them, you know, don't worry, we can rematch you. Not every match is going to work. So sometimes you just have to, to learn, move on, right? Absolutely. And, you know, another thing I would say on matching, especially uh, for people that are doing it in an organic way, is to figure out exactly what it is that you want, right? Because I've seen people who are chasing after someone who is prominent simply because they're prominent. It's not because they're from your hometown. It's not because you all did the same undergraduate program at the same school. They're not in your alumni network. You have no other connection to them than their prominence or their fame. And I think that as many connections as you can build with a person before you meet them, it's, it's powerful. But also, there's this idea of the mentee knowing what they want from the person. Right. Is this a person that you want to be able to vent to and, and, and lay out all your emotions and your confusion? Is this a person that you approach in a more strategic manner and say, look, I have these three options. Can we talk about A, B and C, which one you think is best for where I want to go in my career? Or is this a person who would in some ways maybe act more as a connector or a reference or opportunities that you want to see in other directions. And so that's why I'm emphasizing this because I think a lot of mentor-mentee relationships get off track sometimes because the mentee is not actually clear what they're looking for other than quote unquote someone to help them, right? And that's what they're there for, but then what are the parameters of that? Yeah. You know, the young people these days, I think they're called, they call that clout chasing. So don't yeah. be a clout chaser, be intentional. <laughs> Anyways, um, I wondered if you had a story that you could tell us about a wonderful mentoring, mentorship relationship that you had with a woman. Either you were the mentee or the mentor. And how did that woman impact your life or make your approach to mentorship different? Yeah. You know, I, I would say that I, I've had so many, and part of it is, is really a part of my personal story that, you know, I didn't grow up with a father. I grew up with my mother, two grandmothers, and four aunts, and, and all women across the community and church and, and so forth. And so, in a way, that kind of lent me to guidance from women, the power of the knowledge and the intuition and the insight of women the ability to listen to women and to not think that I know everything. And so I think in my mentor and mentee uh, relationships, that has uh, produced a lot of fruit for me because what I think it has allowed me to do is to be taken in uh, by many women who see, who've seen me coming up uh, and I'm still coming up as someone that they 
were willing to invest in. Uh, I think my ability, and we'll get to this later, but to be receptive to their information, to be someone who expresses gratitude and kindness and respect, not only for myself, but for them and the time that they put into me and that I was also kind of paying it forward or paying it backward, right? They didn't want their guidance to me to stop with me. And so I was required to be then mentoring other 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 folks that were coming up coming up after me. And so as a as a mentor to women and young women and students and so forth, a big thing for me is the comfort that people have, is the ability of young people and, and women to set the parameters that make them feel safe, right? Where do we meet? When do we meet? How do we communicate? What type of contact information have you shared? Um, and, and how do we set a space where all the other kinds of inappropriate or weird or awkward things that can sometimes arise in these interactions can be mitigated and ruled out? And so in some ways, this is where kind of formalized programs can also be, be helpful because it's public and it's something that everyone knows that there will be outside accountability for those, uh, for those interactions. I think one of the things I would say to this, Gabby, is that that's really interesting for me is understanding the powerful impact of patriarchy and misogyny on the, the psyche of women in general, but often on the psyche of, of young, young women and particularly women of color, like, for instance, I give an example. I, I was, uh, was going to write a uh, recommendation letter for a young woman in a, a class of mine who happened to be an Asian American. And I had her draft the letter for me, one, to help her to get used to kind of, quote unquote, bragging about herself or identifying her gifts and talents, but also to, to save me time. And when she sent me the letter, one of the lines in it said that, you know, so-and-so, so-and-so, you know, while, while Asian women are typically, you know, timid and feared to be outspoken and to stand out, this person is just the opposite. They're very this and they're very that. And I was floored, not because I didn't know that those kinds of stereotypes existed, but to hear that she had internalized it so much that she was actually putting those words in my mouth to say about her as a man. And I'm like, no, we can't, we can't do this, right? Or even in some of the other things that I've done where people, the way that people are thanking me for either guidance or opportunities and the idea that I'm taking a chance on them, right? Mm -hmm. And from my perspective, I'm not taking a chance on them at all because I actually see them probably in some ways clearer than they see them themselves. Right. And so I see the brilliance. I see the upward trajectory. I see that you are much further along than I was when I was your age. And so I'm actually looking at you as an advanced person and you're seeing yourself as someone who is somehow receiving some kind of charity. Right. And so these are a lot of the conversations that I'm having with a lot of women and people of color that I am talking to whether they're going into salary negotiations or applications for fellowships or entry-level jobs and the like, really about their self-worth, 
their self-esteem and their worthiness. And I know that then my conduct and my behavior towards them is really critical to build that rather than to uh, deteriorate it uh, further if it's something where they have a little bit of, of self-doubt. Right. Wow. I really appreciate that uh, perspective. That's I never thought about it in that way. And, and it's very, I'm sure I have done that many times in, you know, different cover letters or whatever things I may have created for other folks to sign off on as well. So it, it makes you think. That's great. I wonder, you know, what do you think is, just to kind of switch gears here, it sounds like you have, you know, learned a lot from the different folks that you've interacted with over the years in regards to mentorship. And I wonder, you know, what what are some big lessons or unexpected lessons that you may have yeah. learned from a mentee? Mm-hmm. From a mentee. Or a mentor, yeah, or a mentor. I I'll kind of try to mix them in and we'll see what comes, what comes out of it. I think one of the things, which really is a, is a, is a part of, of my upbringing and, you know, my communal kind of, of knowledge and custom, and that's this thing I say that we talked about, about, you know, building your well before you're thirsty. So it's this idea that you do not treat people and you do not treat relationships as some type of, you know, water fountain or refrigerator or television where you're only turning it on or opening it up or trying to access it when you need something or when you want to see something or when you want to get something. And that's why I'm a much bigger proponent of the notion of uh, community building rather than rather than networking. So I think that is a, a critical one. Two is this, this ability to be always prepared, right? The thing that I, I say to people is no one can tell your story better than you, and no one in, in some way can really tell you what to do. And so a lot of times, again, when I'm sitting in front of someone who I am mentoring or who I'm mentoring or who I'm a mentee of, one of the most assuring things that I can sometimes say or hear is that I'm already on the right. They don't, they don't have to have some profound thing to say. They might just be saying, keep doing exactly what you're doing. That is the way to go. But you have to know what those things are. Uh, the other thing that I would, would say out of that is that, you know, your mentor is not an oracle and then they're not an infallible sage, right? And so oftentimes I've been in and I've seen people be in situations where they feel pressure. They feel that if their mentor has told them to do something or to move in a certain way, that that's what they have to do. And what I would say is that anytime you take in something that does not sit right with your spirit or your conviction or your ethical beliefs, or even just your strategic or logical thinking about your career and the way that you should go, then you have the right to take the parts of the mentorship that are helpful to you and to leave the others behind. And there's many times when I've done something that a mentor thought I should do and it was the wrong move. There's other times where I followed my gut and and it turned out to be the right thing. And, and I, 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 there's something else that I want to say about that. But let me just uh, close this part out with the notion, too, you know, of, of gratitude and how you show it and how you receive it. And so on one level, this is about just common courtesy 
being a good person, showing your respect for someone. But I think the other part of it, Gabby, is really strategic because so many people actually do not express gratitude, do not send thank you cards, do not follow up with a note that lets you know whether they got the job or the fellowship that you poured so much into them to help them to achieve or to try to achieve. And when you do it, then now you stand out because most people actually don't do that. So I've gone as far as, you know, sending cards, having my own personal stationery, sending folks, you know, small gifts, a $5, $10 Starbucks card, Pete's card, or card to a place that they like or enjoy. And part of that, the main part of that really is about my expression of gratitude. But I know from experience that it has the power of giving you resonance in their memory, giving you resonance in their register of thoughtfulness, and most importantly too, I think, that they then would feel comfortable recommending you to other people because of how you have treated them. And so those are some of the core elements I think that I've taken and given lessons that, I, that I've received in mentoring and, and being mentored. Indeed. Thank you for that. Yeah, those are all really wonderful points. And, you know, I definitely resonate with the building community instead of just trying to build your network and also the gratitude. Thank you cards are essential. My mother still sends out handwritten notes after Absolutely. everything. So it's pretty old school, but it's, it's something that is timeless and a good idea to practice. So thank you for that. And that kind of leads me to my next bit, when you are talking about building community instead of building your network, and you think about how your interactions with your mentor or mentee may play out over time, like how, how do you personally kind of set up those boundaries in your mentoring relationships? Or what would, you, what would be your tips for, for setting yeah. healthy boundaries? Yeah, well, I think, you know, just to reemphasize a little bit what, what I was saying earlier about the kind of communication, the level of communication, the, the means of access that you said, when and where you meet with folks, but then also, you know, kind of deciding for yourself, you know, what you want the relationship to be or what you would like it to be. And then also then what it, what does it lend itself to, right? Because I have some boys and mentees that I talk to all the time and I have other mentors and mentees that I talk to, you know, once a quarter or twice in a year, but the relationship is so solid that it, it's not like I'm someone that they would forget. But that also means that I'm not always only coming to them when I feel like I have a need from them, because at that point, you know, we have created really, really, really a friendship, right? And if you are doing this with people, who are in your same sphere or sector or policy space, you're going to be around them anyway, right? And one of the things that I would, would say about that that I think is really helpful for mentees is, you know, we talked a little bit about the gratitude, but then also your responsibility. Like, how do you perform, right? I write you a letter of recommendation to meet with another person, an email. I make a contact. Well, did you show up for that person? Did you show that person the same type of gratitude? Did you give your best in that job opportunity? Because what I don't think 
Well, what I see as a challenge in some of the generations behind us is a kind of lack of awareness about the social capital risks of mentorship, right? And so they're not understanding. The person that I connected you to doesn't know you and otherwise wouldn't meet with you. They're meeting with you. They're giving you this interview. They're extending this opportunity to you because of my relationship with them. And if you mess that up by being inconsistent or inconsiderate, then it puts a mark on my name. And, I, and I'm not really worried about my personal reputation. What I'm really worried about is the next time I recommend someone, then that person is gonna have a thought in their mind, well, wait a minute, the last person didn't follow up, didn't come through, changed their mind, was inconsistent. And so there's that part of it. But I think the other piece, and, and to me, this is one of the more personal and important pieces of it, is that if I am in a mentor relationship with you, I am not kind of doling out advice or guidance that's like, you know, top 10 list of things you could Google on, you know, Indeed or some career monster, you know, some platform like that. What you are actually receiving is knowledge and insight and information that I've paid a heavy price for, that I've had to fight for, right? And beyond me, I may be telling you something that my grandmother's grandmother told her, right? And so you should take it as that important. And I find that when people do, it produces, it produces solid relationships. But just even at a practical level, I would say, look, think about birthdays, think about holidays, think about things of interest that you've talked to that person about, right? And don't, don't get carried away, use your common sense, but think about, hey, if we talked about something and I see an amazing journal article on it or an amazing interview or documentary or event that's coming up around it, hey, send it to that person. Hey, FYI, I don't know if you saw this, was thinking about you, da, da, da. Like these are some of the small, emotionally intelligent ways that you can build those bonds. And the biggest thing I think to me, Gabby, is that people approach their mentor and their, and, their, and their menteeship just like they do anything else in life. Because I feel like people have such nerves and insecurity around this specific thing that as soon as something doesn't go right, they kind of go back within their shell. And it's like, hey, if you're playing a sport, you're not gonna make every shot. If you're in school, not everybody's gonna be your friend. If you're in class, you're not gonna get an A plus in every class, but you still keep going. You don't drop out or withdraw because not every interaction is perfect or warm or fruitful in the way that you think it should be. And so just remembering, like, these are human beings. They have flaws. They have issues. Just because someone's great at their job doesn't mean they're a nice or a kind or helpful person. And so, like you said, with the clout chasing, like, when you get into this space, you'll really begin to see who people, who people are. And so one of the other tactics I use, not to go on too long on this, but one of the other tactics I use is often when I'm meet, meeting people, who are in a mentor or menteeship relation to me, there is a kind of test that arises. I don't, I don't want to say I give a test, but if someone says to me, 
that I'm looking to have, you know, be a mentor in some way. If someone says to me, hey, reach out to me, we should grab coffee sometime. When I reach out to them, I'm going to say, following up on our conversation or per your request, it would be wonderful if we could. And so now I'm not really asking you if we can have coffee. I'm following up on your suggestion that we do that. And so if you then are receptive, that lets me know you were serious. And if you're not, which is often the case in Washington and other places, then I know not to invest too much more time in that. If it's someone who wants to be in a more mentee relationship with me, I might say, okay, you want to have coffee? Okay, send me your CV and and one, one paragraph on why you want to do this fellowship. Or, you know, come prepared with this, 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 and this. And, and it's not really a test that I'm going to harshly judge you on. But what I really want to know is, are you doing your own work or are you looking for someone to give you shortcuts? That's, yeah, a salient point. And it makes me wonder, and I guess this could be maybe the final question as we end near the, uh, the ending of this discussion. I wonder if younger generations like you said, kind of understand the value of mentorship and what it really is meant to do. So, you know, to be successful and success has so many different definitions to be successful. My belief is that you have to navigate through life in partnership with other people. You can't do it. You you can't be successful or crush your goals alone. You're always going to need a team. You're always going to need your village. You're always going to need, you know, someone or something. And I wonder if a lot of people just kind of look at mentorship, a lot of young people look at mentorship as this like really like glorifying these people in all these higher places rather than just, you know, a way to practice that, you know, partnership that you're going to have to indulge in throughout the course of your life and career. And seeing it as a way to kind of just naturally build relationships and navigate through life rather than a means to an end. So I wonder what your opinion on the state of, I guess, mentorship is, you know, the the thoughts behind it for those younger generations and, you know, what, you know, kind of last advice you would give to folks who are considering mentorship and, you know, how they should kind of carry it going forward. Yeah, absolutely. I think that it is one of the more critical mistakes that young people make in their outlook about what a mentor is or what a mentor-mentee relationship can and should be. And so I've had lots of folks show up in front of me at a coffee place or in a library or on a campus, basically with a list of demands, right? No interest in, in who I am or what I'm about. They haven't often uh, kind of researched my background and thought about the ways that I could be helpful. And then they're basically putting all their work um, in my lap. And what I know immediately at that point is that this probably won't be a successful mentorship relationship. And sometimes, depending on the way that it goes, I might tell folks, like I've had situations before where i give an example, actually. I had a, a young woman who I met in, in some form. And when she wrote to me, I think, and perhaps it's my fault, I was so uh, kind of kind and, and, and genial in a way 
that when she wrote to me, it was very informal. It was very kind of, you know, shortening my name and that kind of thing. And I'm like, wait a minute, this is not, this is not how we should engage. And then basically asking me to do something for someone else. And I was floored because I couldn't believe that they thought that this would be the appropriate way to approach someone if you actually want to get to yes or build a relationship or have a certain level of of trust and reciprocity. And I think that the reciprocity really is the key word because I learn a lot from people that I mentor about, you know, some of the questions that they ask and the ways that they ask them, which I would have never thought of, some of the opportunities that are available for people at their level of their career or their or their education that then I often take to other folks that I mentor and just really different ways of viewing the world. And I do view them also as a resource for me. I do view them as a pipeline of people that I might want to hire one day or recommend to amazing opportunities in other places. And I would just suggest that people approach their mentorship relationships with that knowledge, right? That if all goes well, we could know each other for the next 40 or 50 years. And we could both be helpful to each other in many, many ways. But if you decide to be careless or nonchalant or irreverent about somebody's time and their input, then you run the risk of, of losing that, that opportunity. And the, the last thing I'll say on this, Gabby, because what I don't want people to walk away with, I don't want people to walk away thinking that I'm, that I'm suggesting some irregular level of deference to mentors, some sense that they're above you. No, I'm saying treat them with the common courtesy and respect that you would want to be treated with or that you would treat anyone else with. Because I think that there's nothing that kind of feels worse than being asked to support someone. And then when you can't do it, you never hear from them again. Or when you do do it, you never hear from them again. And if they develop that kind of reputation, then that's also going to be a negative for them going forward. Right. Yes, I agree. The golden rule is key. Treat others how you would want to be treated. Absolutely. And, you know, with everything going on in the world and all of the complex issues that we have to surmount, you know, ranges, there's a range depending on, you know, different specific things about yourself, for example. But, you know, I think mentorship and, you know, learning to cultivate and sustain relationships, despite, you know, whether you're in a formal mentorship program or not, is just essential and one of the keys to moving through life. So, no. yeah. And you know what, yeah, let me just say that that's so important what you said, and, and you said it in a much more concise way than, than I did. And so if I had a chance to say it again, yeah, I, when I think back over my life and career, uh, probably as many, if not more, of the opportunities that I've been given were, were because someone said, this is a kind and consistent and persistent young man who will do well, right? Separate from this is an astrophysicist. This person graduated from this school. Like those things were secondary. They took to me and they helped me 
because of how I treated them with dignity and respect, and then they reciprocated it. And so I think for people who get the cart uh, before the horse and think it's all about their talents or their skills, and you got to sit down and show somebody how smart you are, who's been doing what you've been doing for longer than you've been alive. No, back up and focus on who you are and who they are and how those can work together. Yes, soft skills are really, really important. Beautifully said. And with that being said, I'd like to thank you so much for your time and uh, for having this conversation with us today. And we look forward to future conversations. Absolutely. Thank you. And other topics. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I can't wait to do it again. Thank you.